Uh, so back to the readings. Uh, we've got 2 Samuel 6, verses 1 to 8, which I'll just read now. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Bala in Judah, in Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the Ark. They set the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which is on the hill. Uzzah and Ahaho, sons of Abinab, were guiding the new cart with the Ark of God on it, and Ahaho was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord, with cassonets, harps, lyres, tambourines, rattles and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nakon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the Ark of God, because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, that place is named Perez Uzzah. And our main reading this evening is from Isaiah 6, verses 1 to 7, uh, which... Emily will now read. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So I'm just going to hand over to Dan in just a moment. Uh, Let me just pray for him, though, before he does that. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity, uh, the great privilege to open your word and to learn from it. Uh, We thank you for Dan and for the work that he's put into preparing for this evening. We just ask that you would bless his his lips. Uh, You please anoint uh, what he's about to say and would we be able to receive what you have for us this evening. Uh, We long to be changed and transformed by your word. Uh, So please Work on our hearts and our minds so that we may focus and receive from you now. Uh, We ask this will be a great time of blessing, both for Dan and for us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Well, thank you so much, Chris and Emmy, for leading us uh, this evening. Thanks for reading out those passages. Do keep maybe a, put a, a ribbon in, in both of those places of, of those readings as we go through it. But as Chris said at the start, we're in this uh, series, this mini series, which is focusing and looking at the presence of God. And the aim of this series really is, is that we would make much of God. And when I say that we would make much of God, I mean to see that God is the greatest gift that God could ever give to us. To see him glorified above everything else in our minds, in our hearts, to cherish his presence above everything else. Because, you know, when we do that, when we make much of God, so many things happen. Uh, For example, our relationship with God will look different, for example. Uh, The Bible stops being an outdated, boring obstacle that has to be overcome uh, and starts uh, to be the way in which we connect and we hear from the one who is our supreme joy. Uh, To make much of God will also change our evangelism and make that look different. Uh, Like our vision verse for the year, it says, as for us, we cannot help speak about what we have seen and heard. Uh, We just won't be able to stop talking about the one that we make much of, about the one that we love. But, you know, in order for us to make much of God, well, we need to grasp more of the one that we are to make much of. Uh, Last week, we traced the theme of God's presence uh, right the way through the Bible, seeing uh, how God has worked through history to be with his people for good. I wonder if if you were here last week, I wonder as we went through this Bible overview, seeing from sort of cover to cover, as we went through looking at God's presence, we would have seen constantly described, constantly alongside God's presence was that word holy. God's presence was described as a holy presence. And so in order for us to make much of God, the Bible says, it is vitally important that we understand how holy God is, the holiness of God. Now, what does it actually mean when we say the holiness of God? Well, that word holy literally means uh, cut off or separate. And so you get many things in the Bible which are called holy. Uh, You have things called holy ground, holy days, holy cities, holy festivals, and so on. Uh, They're separate. They're distinct. And yet when the Bible describes the holiness of God, it does mean separate. It does mean cut off, but it carries with it something far more than just separate or cut off. It's a deeper and it's a a grander view of God. And I want to give us just three short examples of that. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, it says, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 25 says, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. And then Hosea chapter 11 verse 9 says, God says, I am God and I'm not a man, the Holy One among you. And so when the Bible talks, when God talks about the holiness of God, what's being communicated in essence is God is God and there is no one like him. 
A God is so massive, so powerful, so glorious that there is nothing, no one that you could even imagine comparing to him. God is holy. And, you know, I found that one of the great litmus tests to see how holy we see God, how much we make of God, how big God is in our minds is how we view our first reading that we heard tonight in 2 Samuel chapter 6 with Uzzah and the ark. Uh, you see, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, we, we read of the ark, which was this, this golden box almost. And it was the symbolic the symbol of God's presence with his people. The, the ark, it, it sat right in the holy of holies uh, in the tabernacle. Uh, it was the place where God met and the place where God spoke to his people. In fact, in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 2, the ark is described, it says the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. The ark symbolizes the presence of God with his people. And in 2 Samuel chapter 6, it's the story, it's the account of David who wants to bring this ark into Jerusalem. And he sends down two men to to carry out this job, Uzzah and Ahio, uh, to bring it back up. And as Ahio and Uzzah, as they they walk down to, to collect the ark and as they bring it back up, they put it on a cart And David, he's got the party going in Jerusalem. He's got the music going. He's dancing uh, as he celebrates this momentous day. And as this cart is going up towards Jerusalem, as this cart is coming up, it stumbles. And the ark looks like it's going to fall off. And Uzzah stretches out his hand and takes hold of the ark to stop it from falling off. And God at that moment, verse six, because of Uzzah's irreverent act because Uzzah forgets the holiness of God God immediately strikes him down and it says at the end of verse 7 he died there beside the ark now I don't know about you but when I read through this passage I must be honest I sometimes struggle with what I read I mean this seems so harsh doesn't it Uh, Uzzah was only trying to help, it seems. He was trying to stop it from falling to the ground. And yet, do you know, as I've been reflecting upon the holiness of God, as we will reflect upon the holiness of God tonight, do you know, if that's my view, I don't make much of God. And I don't make much of his holiness. I end up focusing on the wrong thing. I focus on Uzzah's apparent little mistake. And I forget about the awesome weight of God's glory and his holiness. And, you know, I pray that one of the aims of tonight, as we reflect and we look at God's holiness, is that we will be able to read back this story of Uzzah and say, not say, Lord, wasn't that harsh? But rather, as we'll see tonight, say, Lord, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, you know, as we look and as we aim to make much of God tonight, this evening, marvelling at his holiness, at his glory You know, we're going to spend the rest of this evening looking at our our second and the main 
uh, reading tonight, Isaiah chapter six, verses one to seven. And last week we had uh, seven E's. Uh, tonight uh, we have three R's, three R's. And, and the first one tonight as we go through this bit in Isaiah is revere who God is. Revere who God is, verses one to four. And do you know, I, I'm going to read the first four verses of our Isaiah passage. And do you know, I find that as we read these amazing descriptions of God, I find that maybe as we read it, we, we want to just close our eyes as we as we hear it. I find that closing my eyes and just imagining uh, this picture that Isaiah is showing us of who God is is so helpful in understanding this, this vivid imagery uh, that's being come across. So we, we might choose to do that if that helps us. But I'm going to read from verses one to four. It says this, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. What a vision this is that Isaiah is given of the Lord Almighty. He sees the Lord high and exalted. He's sitting on a throne, the place of total power, of total authority and glory. And it says that the train of his robe fills the temple. Do you know, I wonder whether we've ever seen um, the state opening of parliament. We've probably got better things to do than watch that. But uh, if we ever have, um, then you might know that uh, that's the time of year when the Queen comes down to officially reopen uh, Parliament. And she comes down from Buckingham Palace and uh, all of the politicians in the House of Commons, Boris and Keir, uh, they all walk up to the House of Lords to listen to the Queen giving this speech. And as they walk up and as everyone's packed in the House of Lords, uh, the Queen walks in uh, and as she walks in, she's got a crown, the royal crown on her head. And she's got a robe that flows down and she's got six children trying to carry this robe as she's walking through. Uh, and she she then sits on this, this throne and, and the robe is so long. It, it flows down four or five steps of the throne and she sits there and you look at it and it's so impressive. It's so glorious. And yet in this vision that Isaiah has, he says God's robe fills the entire temple in Isaiah's vision, not just four or five steps, the whole building a robe that wouldn't just fill the House of Lords, but it would flow all the way down to the House of Commons and then out the other side. How majestic, how glorious God is. And then we're introduced to these uh, creatures called seraphim that are are above the Lord, above his throne. And, you know, just before we think that these creatures are just kind of cute babies that our culture would think uh, playing harps in the sky, Well, these creatures, verse four, they speak and they make buildings shake. 
just at the sounds of their voice. They are powerful creatures that are with God. And yet even these ones that speak and make buildings shake, they can't even look at God. Their wings cover their faces. Uh, This is how holy, how glorious God is. And in and we see that in the song that these creatures sing to one another. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's the song that they are singing to one another, reminding each other of. I wonder this evening, do we see it? Do we get just a taste of, of how glorious and how holy, how majestic, how big God is. There is nothing and no one like God. And Revelation chapter four, you know, it carries this picture on because John, who wrote Revelation, he has a vision and it's similar to Isaiah's vision that we've just read of. In Revelation chapter four, verse eight, uh, it says each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all round, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay down their crowns before him and say, you are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Do you know, when we say this evening that we want to make much of God, this is what we mean. To revere who God is, who he really is, not just some cultural impression of God, not just some soft, boxed up, tamed version of God, but the real God, the high and exalted God, the God of Isaiah's vision. And yet this evening, do you know, I'll, I'll confess that so often on so many times, I so often forget the weight of his glory and holiness that God has. I forget that this is who God is. And, you know, I can demonstrate that so easily. Do you know, I remember this week even, you know, it gets to the end of the day and you're about to go to sleep. And I remember I had my Bible on the bedside table and I knew it would be good for me to to end the day by by reading something from God's word, to hear from him and to speak to him. But also on my bedside table, I had my iPad and I, I looked over And at that moment, I was feeling tired and I I reached over and I picked up my iPad and I watched a a basketball game. And I thought, I'll read something from my Bible afterwards. And yet 20 minutes later, well, you know, probably know what happens. I fell asleep and I didn't get around to it. And, you know, what it illustrated to me the very next morning as I was preparing from the holiness of God is how much I did not make of God. How quick I was to forget who God was and even daring to compare the joy of being with him to something that doesn't even register in comparison. Revere who God is. God is holy. He is 
uncompared to anything in this world. God is holy. Revere who God is. But secondly, this evening, realise who I am. Realise who I am, verse five. You see, this vision that Isaiah is given, it has a real consequence. It has a huge consequence because as Isaiah stands before this holy and majestic God, he finds out the reality of who he is and that he's totally exposed. Look with me at verse five. Isaiah says, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Standing before all of God's glory and holiness, it exposed the unholiness in Isaiah in comparison. It was like a UV light that that exposed all the dirt or all of the stains uh, that Isaiah had. And he sees his state before God and he cries out in terror. He says, I am ruined. Isaiah is expecting uh, like Uzzah with the ark to be struck down immediately by this gloriously holy God. He knows what happens when people are confronted with the presence of this holy God. Do you know, I love what R.C. Sproul says. Uh, he says this, he says, men are never duly touched and inspired with a conviction of their insignificance until they have contrasted themselves with the majesty of God. Do you know, Isaiah finds out exactly what every single person will find out when they stand before this glorious holy God that we are ruined in our current state. And we should not think for one single moment that we could ever come before God and expect to live before him. Because when we compare ourselves with the glory and the holiness of God in his presence, that is the point in which we are truly humbled. And I wonder this evening, have we been humbled by that? Have we contrasted ourselves with the the majesty, the sheer glory and the power and holiness of God? Have we let that UV light help us realise who we are before God? Have we seen and been humbled by the fact that God is God and we are not? God is at the heart of this universe, not me. Have I realised that I am ruined before this holy God in my current state? And, you know, if we think this evening that I am really big and God is really small and insignificant, then we really need to contrast ourselves with this vision in Isaiah. This vision of who God really is that helps us realise who we really are. Now, do you know, in this series that we say, we pray is going to help us make much of God and see how God is the greatest gift that God could ever give to us. You might be wondering at this point, uh, yeah, Dan, that's great. Um, But if this is what happens when uh, we meet with God, that doesn't sound like a very great gift. Sounds pretty terrifying. But, you know, I hope that this changes, that changes after we see our last point tonight, how our passage ends tonight. And that's the third R, which is restored through sacrifice, restored through sacrifice, verses six to seven. Now, we've seen, haven't we, that Isaiah, he does not expect to live for one moment 
after this encounter with God. But look with me at how this encounter ends. Verses six and seven. It says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Instead of Isaiah being ruined before God, he is restored by God. This seraphim gets the coal from the altar and touches Isaiah's lips and God makes a way for Isaiah to be made right before him for all of his sin and uncleanliness to be washed away for his sin as it said to be atoned for. That word atoned it means God is satisfied, God is not angry anymore and therefore relationship can be restored. And notice the hints that that God gives about how this is all accomplished. The coal that touches Isaiah's lips are from the altar. The altar being the place of sacrifice in the temple. Now, here's where it gets really cool. Because do you remember we looked at um, that passage from Revelation and John records in Revelation a very similar vision of God on his throne And yet John, instead of then recording the coal from the altar that Isaiah records, John sees something else. He, uh, I'm going to read it from Revelation chapter five, verse six. What does John see after he sees this throne? He doesn't see a coal, but he sees Revelation chapter five, verse six. He says, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. And then verse nine, it says, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, tongue and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. You know, Isaiah points us to the reality that we are restored before God we are forgiven before God through the place of sacrifice and we know from John that this altar points to the lamb the lamb that was sacrificed who was slain for us Jesus as we read last week from 1 Peter 3 verse 18 it says for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God The holy one died in the place of the unholy so that we could live and we could stand and enjoy being in the presence of this gloriously holy God. We are restored through sacrifice, our sin atoned for through Jesus's blood, through his death to bring us to God. Remember, this is the whole, what we saw last week. This is where the gospel leads. God is the gospel. He did this so we could be with him, so we could stand before his presence and not be ruined, but restored. And I hope more than anything this evening, even though this might be the 500,000th time we have heard this, I pray that having seen who God is, having seen who we are, This truth of being restored through sacrifice should blow us away. We are not ruined. We are restored. 
And I hope this makes us make so much of God this evening. That God not that God's not only holy, but he's made a way for unholy people through his grace to be holy too. And, you know, this is why as I've been thinking that it is it is totally wrong to say that there are many different ways to God, because without Jesus, we are ruined before God. Without Jesus, we have no refuge. And so this evening, I pray that we would cling to Jesus with everything that we have tonight. Do you know, Jesus isn't just some optional extra. He isn't just some comfort blanket to make us feel nice. He is the only refuge that we have in front of a gloriously holy God. And so this evening, I wonder, do we look at the story of Uzzah and the ark any differently tonight? I hope we do. I hope that this evening, that this vision of who God is, has helped us to make so much more of God in our minds and our hearts. God is so big. He is so glorious. He is so holy. I hope we see why Proverbs 1 verse 6 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I hope this leads us to love God more, to worship him more, to adore him more. And ultimately, I pray as I hope to this evening, to pursue knowing this God that has brought me near, that has not ruined me, but restored me through Jesus to bring me to his holy presence, for me to enjoy being with him, being one of his children, adopted into his family, in his kingdom, that will last forever and ever. (laughs) How amazing is this God? How big is this God? Let us make much of him this week and let us let that shape everything. Our relationship, our evangelism, our lives make much of this God. I'm going to pray now and then Chris is going to lead us in our uh, the rest of our service. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. Father, that is our prayer tonight. Father, we want our vision, our view of you to be so big in our hearts and our minds tonight. Father, would you blow our minds with how big you are? And with that truth of who you are, help shape the way that we view who we are. Would we realise how we stand before you in our current state? But rather, would we pursue and run to the refuge that we have? the way that we are restored to you through the Lord Jesus. And Father, we pray that we would make much of you tonight. We would make much of your holiness and your glory. We would fear you, we would love you, we would cherish you with all of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.